Are you tired of your humdrum life and wish to end it? Well, come on down to Jamaica in the middle of the Scarabean. Bring your whole family, even the dead dog. You can relax all day riding down the Black River Styx, or you can take a ride on our lava slide. The flume ride is guaranteed to mix up what's inside of you and make sure it gets outside of you. Hungry? Try the jerked Cerberus with a margarita. If you want to tan, flay your skin and go to one of our nude beaches. Come to Jamaica. We'll be your best friends forever and ever. Don't take my word for it. Listen to this true testimonial from one of our valued customers. Hello, my name is the Dreadlord Satan, and I love Jamaica so much. I bought the company. So come on down. It's the journey of a lifetime. Bring your friends. Leave your soul. Nice. All right, um, I'll cram that into something good. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's really good. <laughs> Zane, that, that's a great Jamaican voice. Thank you, you. You didn't falter at all. Yeah, man. The trick with a Jamaican accent is, that I've found, like, in improv and stuff, mm-hmm. is that it is very easy to slip into an Irish accent, and I don't know why they're so similar. <laughs> I think the trick is to, lead on the, is to lean on the mon. Lean on the mon? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like in Monster Rancher. Did you know that if you say bacon in a Jamaican accent, it sounds like beer, beer can. can in an Australian yeah. accent? Yeah, I know that, and every other college freshman knows that. Really? Yeah, this is this is like one of those like things that frat boys get proud of when they when they finally understand it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe I'm projecting. I, I don't know. I feel like I've I've heard that before. That's fine. Welcome to Shock Week. <laughs> Mother. <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. Well. Uh. My name is Ben, and I'm Zane, and this is the Carton Cast, uh, where we review old cartoons and see what we think of them as adults. The Carton Cast and the Egg. Which came first, and who will be last? <laughs> oh yeah, with Mandy. Yeah. Every episode introducing with that. I gotta say, your Jamaican dead, uh, your Jamaican Grim Reaper is a little bit better than your girl. Well, <laughs> you know. So go close, ahead and put that one under your pillow and close, see what it means. Closer to one than the other, I suppose. Sure. <laughs> it's just easier to get into character, that's all. That's right. You're closer to death than you are to femininity. Um, yeah. And yeah, I guess technically this will be our first Mons show. <laughs> how long have you been sitting on that one it's right there after what we think of them as adults <laughs> um oh after it's the first thing i wrote down Zane. <laughs> when you said i'm i'm more like the jamaican skeleton than a woman it's like you know i i have a skeleton inside me but i don't have you know a little girl inside me so <laughs> yeah yeah you then after thinking that verbalized it so that we could all hear it yeah <laughs> Whew, man, am I glad that you're the other end of this podcast, Zane. <laughs> well, um, Zane, what little girl is inside of us this week? Well, that would be The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Thank you. Um, it ran on Cartoon Network from 2003 to 2008. 
We've talked about this show before. Uh, I think it was one of those oh yeah cartoons that got turned into a show after it did so well in that sort of uh, shotgun approach to <laughs> crowd, you know, crowd approval. Yeah, well, it was originally uh, one of you know the three options for one of those shows, but it wasn't you know the Grim Adventures. It was Grim and Evil, where it was a show with two segments, one being this one and the other one being uh, Evil Con Carne, the one about the yeah. uh, the dictator that, that died. Yeah, and his with brain was put in a bear. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bosco. <laughs> you idiot! <laughs> you can't I, put a king on a four. I, I can't do brain in a jar either. My, my accents are slipping a bit. I can only <laughs> do dead things and grotesquities. Yeah? Grotesquities. Oh, it's my apologies. <laughs> it's okay. Hunky pumps. Um, we should say. Saying grotisities is definitely a word that you should have in your back pocket, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, remind me what the other two Oh Yeah cartoon things one were. Of them, it wasn't Oh Yeah cartoon. One right? of them it was, was something else. I think one of them was Whatever Happened to Robot Jones, which later became a show. Did it? And the other one was called Long Hair and Double Dome, which, if I recall correctly, was about Vikings? Weird. I don't remember much. Um, but this show was made by Maxwell Adams, which I wish was his real name, but is not. I wish that was my name. Yeah. Oh, my God. Fucking sweet. Like, your nickname is Max Adam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm pretty sure they just hand you a power suit when you go to the... <laughs> when, when you come out. Uh, and he started his career working uh, on Cow and Chicken. Yep. Uh, and um, then moved on is... to this. Yeah, you, you can see... You can see uh, his fingers in both of those pies. Like uh, the, the humor styles are pretty similar. There's a pedigree there. Yeah. Um, but uh, th- this show. Uh, so uh, this show, uh, the, the plot of it is that these two kids con the Grim Reaper into becoming their best friend. And that's that's kind of just to set up the fact that we're going to have a humor driven show with a fantastic scope. Like you can put whatever yes. supernatural being you want in here, and but that's kind of that's kind of the entire plot, right? Like, uh, it, it doesn't have a it doesn't have a huge source sense of continuity from episode to episode, right? And and they have so many different and diverse supernatural beings they interact with that the whole you know Billy and Mandy and Grimm as your core characters it provides this nice stable home base, and then you can go off into different directions and usually die. Um, yeah, yeah. But, it, remember in like Case Closed, where even though the main characters were always there, they were rarely what we were paying attention to. They weren't the most interesting, right? They're certainly not the most interesting here. <laughs> no, um, I, but, well, they were the most interesting in Case Closed, right? Um, and but, the most fun to listen, and the most fun to listen to. And the characters themselves are generally pretty one-dimensional. Yeah, uh, like I said, a humor-driven show. So yeah. that is okay but it is absolutely true they, they really don't have that much yeah. depth every everything is kind of sacrificed in order to maintain uh the humor and the status quo uh which makes it really good episode by episode but like you said it doesn't really have anything more to it mm-hmm. yeah this, it's, it's a pretty shallow uh it's a pretty shallow grave <laughs> and uh the idea that the grim reaper is Forced into immor- immortal servitude is is pretty cool on its own. I so, love uh, I love anything that involves neat. you know death as a character. Yeah, have you ever read uh, anything uh, by Terry Pratchett that has death as a main character? I still haven't read anything by Terry Pratchett. Mm. 
I haven't read any with the death as the main character. Um, the ones that focus on Sam Vimes, which is a guardsman in in Ankh-Morpork, which is the uh, the main city. Mm-hmm. Those are pretty good. If you're going to start on anything, I recommend starting with Guards, Guards, or Thud, or any of those guys. I read a book about a character kind of becoming death, but I don't remember who it was by. And the whole <laughs> thing was a lot more about like him trying to juggle like his job and being death and raising his daughter ah bruce almighty uh good movie (laughs) jim carrey is a genius um (laughs) jim carrey is the devil jim carrey's the devil that's where those horns come from (laughs) it's just hair gel man i keep telling you i i know what i saw (laughs) um Um, one of our main characters has that uh, hair gel horns though she do she do uh the uh so there's also just because this was on my mind um when they do the when terry pratchett and neil gaiman both collaborate on american gods Mm -hmm. the four horsemen of the apocalypse come in and uh death is sort of personified in a very unearthly way whereas pestilence and uh famine and those things are all kind of relatable human-like uh-huh. beings yeah death is sort of he, he he sort of functions like a robot in in comparison huh he's just very unworldly and unpersonable like, like you can't really relate to him like in a cthulhu sort of way like the unknowable evil kind of it's not quite as unearthly as that it's just sort of this presence that sort of untalks mm. and you just kind of hear his thoughts in your head and they're not verbalized in a way that makes you think that he has a conception of the self and that is a really cool thing, and they do use it in some characters on this show, but it's not sustainable for seven seasons. Yeah, if they... especially not for a main character. They make they make death very relatable here. Yeah, he he's downright friendly. I like him a lot. Very genial. I mean, he has to be to, you know, I mean, tourism is one of J- Jamaica's uh, <laughs> biggest imports, right? Yeah. So, or exports. Uh, how do you classify that? I think it's just um, a big part of the economy, is economy. how you would say that. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I, is, I think it's the—isn't it the chief part of the economy is, is tourism? Is tourism an export or an import? That's, that's a deep question. I don't think it is. I think I just phrased it in a way that made it unanswerable. Because you're, you're providing a service, <laughs> but you're not yes. shipping anything. Sure. Well, would you consider, like— uh, It's almost like immigration. What about— <laughs> I already sat, I already solved that issue for you, man. Oh, I'm sorry. Emigrating to immigrating, <laughs> shit. Emigrating <laughs> from immigrating to. Oh boy. <laughs> yep. Um, so luckily, let, let, this I show guess... only takes place in one location, so we don't really have a chance to get confused on this. Yeah, I I thought it was Dimsdale again for Ohio. So I found that this show has a lot in common with the Fairly Odd Parents, and I'll bring oh, yeah? it up as it as it kind of arises i find it to be very different i mean it has a lot of the trappings mm. but the genre and tone is completely different sure sure um but in terms of like you know you have your stupid parents you have your you know main character who tries to fix a problem that you know is caused by something supernatural they have a supernatural buddy to bail them out but they're bound by rules you know there's a lot there's a lot of similarities, and also it just looks very similar. Yeah, it it looks a little bit similar. I, I don't know if I agree with the. They could the very dynamic. easily have like a Billy Timmy Power Hour kind of thing. <laughs> Perhaps I 
I don't I don't know if I find it that similar. Their relationship to the supernatural is a little more ill-defined and uh not as congenial and then you also have the fact that um there there's not like a strong thematic focus for this whereas in in uh in Fairly Odd Parents it was, you know, all about trying to make this sad kid happy and having him deal with issues growing up. The motives of of the characters in Fairly Odd Parents were better, but I don't think the world itself was more interesting. Maybe. Um I I think that any world with Jorgen von Strangle already start, <laughs> starts a couple of rungs up the ladder. Well, he's he's in personal. he's in this as well, except his name is Hostel Gatto. I didn't watch anything with Hostel Gatto. Oh, he's great. Doesn't he have a beer gut? I he has like a titanium hand that he replaces with tools. That's that's pretty. What is he like? Ash from Evil Dead? Pretty much. I th- I Sweet. think that's what he's based on. Anyway, we're we're getting a little off track. I think. Yeah. Let's uh. Let, let's do let's you look jump at the into char- the characters. Yeah. Why don't we do that? So uh, before we talk about the the characters, I want to iterate. I wanna I wanna assert this idea that I came up with, which is I think that. The fact that there's no main character in the show and that the main trio are all kind of extremes of some sort is a huge weakness in the show in that there's really no one to relate to. There's no one to relate to and there's no one to root for. You kind of just want to see them tortured for a bit. Maybe. Like, I I didn't find that... I I didn't like the idea of Billy having bad things done to him and I kind of just wanted Grimm to be more i don't know satisfied in some way by the end of the episode yeah grim is this weird protagonist in a sense like he he his you want to start with grim maybe well let's go let's go in order of the title so grim (laughs) (laughs) sure that's fine this one of the central conflicts is grim is servant to these horrible children Mm -hmm. um but he's also the grim reaper and so there's all these you know, supernatural stuff that gets involved in their lives, and he's pretty much trying to either, at times he tries to help them kill Billy and Mandy, at times he tries to escape, and sometimes he protects them. So his relationship he... is a little ill-defined, but it's probably the most interesting one. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I phrased it as an identity crisis, mm-hmm. in that, you know, he, historically, he's got the, he, he's got this necessary, yet grim job that has to be done and now he's forced into the role of den mother (laughs) i i can't like even talking about it i kind of can't cohese cohere all these different facets i can't imagine what it would be like to be this person yeah he's he's really odd in that he has all these like strong powers but he generally doesn't use them well he's he's put in a context where he can't be his job function anymore like right i guess i don't know how it like functions day to day i guess when somebody dies he just like pushes a button or something so that he can technically fulfill the job while being this friend to billy and mandy see i don't think so so you think there are other grim reapers i think that this so i think that him becoming their servant and best friend is what causes everything else in the world to go crazy on them immediately after. So, do you think that that's like a 
a uh, like, consequence of death no longer existing. Yeah. So here's the here's the idea that I can shoehorn in there. Um, <laughs> Please do. So I figure that since Grimm is not out doing his job, right? Um, mm. Everybody else is picking up his slack. It's, okay. It's, he's like the guy at the office who like ne- who like avoids any sort of responsibility. <laughs> this is a dick move, but technically he's on vacation and like can't get out of it. Like he's forced to be there. Yeah, yeah. So Hades understands. So he wouldn't want to stop the status quo because it's still better than his day job. But on the other mm-hmm. hand, it's degrading. So sometimes he goes back and forth. You know, when he's in front of the supernatural, he'll like, you know, he'll act like, oh man, kill these kids for me. I, you know, they're the worst people ever. <laughs> but when he's just hanging out with them, he doesn't really take advantage of it. So they just it, throw... it seems like he's having a midlife crisis. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they throw unpleasant stuff at the main characters in hopes that, you know, something will kill them. So you have, you know, vampires and wolfmen and brain aliens and Cthuloids just all trying to kill these kids. But since Grimm's in charge of death, they never do. Yeah, it's it's kind of a catch-22. Like, he, they... He's been put into this impossible situation because the only way to fulfill his contract is to kill the kids. But while he's in the contract, he can't kill the kids. Exactly, and no one else can for him. Well, that that <laughs> de- that depends on what kind of uh, what kind of rules of death we're operating under. Because some cultures, and I guess because this is a Western, uh, uh, this is a Western animation. It's um. It follows Western culture where the personification of death is this singular entity. Yeah. So I looked up a little bit of death facts, Ooh. and it turns out that uh, Eastern mythologies tend to have death spirits that are not singular. They're not unique. It's decentralized. The idea that you can kill a death spirit tends to be very strange among Western audiences. Hmm. Uh, but if you think about Princess Mononoke, where like something is like a god of death or Shinigami from Death Note, you can kill gods of death, hmm. and it doesn't destroy the concept of death. You try to do that shit in the Western audiences, people start to think, oh, something's not right here. Does death <laughs> just stop? So uh, it's, There's a lot of details I, I think, that... Yeah. yeah. So what part... Death is such a cool concept. It I'm is. so happy to be talking about it. Um, Probably so how, for the fifth or sixth time. <laughs> so how does the midlife crisis enter into it? I, I guess he's just kind of tiptoeing between, ah, should I really make this change to my life or should I just see how it plays out? Like he, he knows that he needs to do something, but he's kind of too, he's kind of pussyfooting around it. Hmm. So, so sometimes he'll make like minor steps to try to make his station better or he'll like help out villains, but he won't come up with a plan overly and most of the time he just sits on the couch and grumbles he's consistently one training montage away from like getting a job and winning his kids back in court (laughs) (laughs) oh man did you see his origin story uh i read about it apparently he just like uh, i don't know if this is the canonical one because i think they tell it differently a few different times but apparently he was just walking around and, like, stepped on the scythe and it hit him in the face like a rake. Oh, I didn't hear this <laughs> one. Never mind. Well, that's what I saw in this weird episode where he became a country rock star. <laughs> like, by the sixth or seventh season, they were just kind of throwing stuff in. <laughs> We've already exhausted the supernatural. Let's find the fun in mundanity. Well, he was trying to impress his dad. Oh, hey, sure. As every personification personification of a uh, mortal influences want to do right all the way back to satan 
Um, um, yeah, I do agree. He's the most interesting character. It's a shame that he gets so little uh, motivation in the context of the show. He's kind of just there to fulfill power fan- fantasies for Billy and Mandy and yeah. doesn't really have strong push, strong direction in and of itself. Right. So that covers the death aspect of his character and the depressed aspect. Why is mm-hmm. he Jamaican? Uh, so that's really interesting <laughs> in a way that I'm not sure. I, I definitely still don't understand it. I was looking for a reason, and one did not come up to me. Uh, I like that the show goes out of its way to bring up the fact that he's Jamaican <laughs> for some reason. Like when when it cuts back to him in one scene, the TV is he's like watching TV, and it's like "Welcome back to the Voodoo Digest, man." <laughs> or like he'll he'll show up as a fake television repairman, and he'll be like "Television repair, man, man." Oh god! <laughs> yeah, like clearly, just yeah. Well, that's another. The creators thing. love this. Like <laughs> they love this facet of his character. It definitely. Makes him more fun to listen to. Um, why wouldn't he be it's, Jamaican? It's honestly not the anywhere near the biggest aspect of why he's fun to watch. I um, think it is. But it is. An, <laughs> it, it's a nice perk. But I think, yeah. like... Like, if you have this otherworldly character, it's going to have to be a non-Western sort of yeah. social... Like, a, like uh, what's the word? Societal sphere. You don't want, like, a devil in a suit kind of thing. I mean that that that's fine. I, I don't mind like Ned Flanders being the devil or anything like that. But I don't know. Like if you have free range to make your personification of death whatever ethnicity you want, Jamaican's a fun one. Yeah, they threw a dart at a map. Um, no, I don't. I think they specifically took one that would be fun. Well, that's the thing. And funny because that's what this show is trying to do. It's just trying to be funny. Well, that's the thing though is that they specifically chose a Jamaican accent. And he's like a lifetime servant to white children. Oh. I'm not saying it was intentional. No, Zane. But the conversation must have come up. No, Zane. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. We don't have to talk about. It. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, idiot, idiot, moronic, and evil children, nonetheless. Right. So, like, no less, rather. It's just a weird little detail. That you could turn into, like, a 15-page, you know, literary analysis paper. The fact that I didn't think of it first means that I've been derelict in my duties. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all right. You have to pick up the slack and think about these things too hard. And and you can, you really know, missing it. you can dissect the whole, like, white man's burden aspect of it. Like, yeah, you know, it's... You know, he's technically their servant, but his life's better than if he was still working. Like, it's it's really rough. Let's talk about Billy. <laughs> so, Billy... Actually, what... what what Who voiced Grimm? It's Greg, Greg Eagles. Eagles. Yeah, I didn't... I didn't really see much else. Yeah, I don't... I don't see him being much in, in much either. He's in Bleach a couple of times. He's in, uh... Apparently, Megas XLR, but... Oh, really? It's, it's not for any, like... Oh, no major thing? Main characters. Oh, we gotta watch Megas. (laughs) I I know, man. We'll get there. Um, But Billy is voiced by Richard Stephen Horvitz, who is best known as Jimmy from that one episode of Static Shock. (laughs) I don't think he is best known (laughs) from that. I I like that that you found that. Yeah. He's uh, he's Zim from from Invader Zim. He's Alpha Uh, 5. He's the original Alpha 5. He's... He's Daggett from the Angry Beavers. He's Raz those, uh, from Psychonauts as well, which I just these bought. These are all characters that I like better than Billy. Yeah, so 
he's the the actor Richard Horvitz is is kind of known for doing these very high pitched, um, H- high energy, low IQ kind of yeah. People who miss the point. Uh, mm-hmm. Although Raz from Psychonauts is really like skilled and interesting. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you've played it. I played like the first level, and it's like. I was I looking. At, I was looking at it. And I'm like, this came out ten years ago. This is the most incredible singular expression of an idea I've ever seen. Really, it's incredible. That sounds awesome. And I, it's cohesive. I'm gonna have to. I, you know, I like that. Yeah. The uh, yeah, I'll have to check it out at some point. I've heard great things. They're all true. I think I saw a little bit of it, and it looks as though the uh, the the tech might not look so good anymore, but. Uh, it's, I don't really, I don't really care about the graphical capabilities of games. I play roguelikes. It's for stylized sake. in a, um, in a supo kind of way. <laughs> stylized by stylized in supo. Uh, by which I mean it's lumpy. <laughs> I know what it means, man. But I agree. You know, as far as like stupid characters go, I'm just not a huge fan of Billy. He's he's not great. Um, I was think trying to think of other idiot characters and. I I like all of the ones in other shows a little bit better, like high high energy morons, like uh, Patrick mm-hmm. from uh, SpongeBob or Cosmo. Yeah, I just I think that he's less. I don't know what it is. He's not even like like he's even worse than Daggett, which is. I like Daggett. Really, <laughs> I th- I think he's okay. I like him better than Norm. I don't think Norm's his name. Yeah, the other Nor- the other beaver? Norb. Oh, yeah, Norbert. Should have been Norm. Some great names. Yeah, <laughs> come um, on, so, come on, Mr. and Mrs. Angry. So Billy is this sort of, like, too dumb to be, be believable. He's got this big nose, and... His IQ is negative five. <laughs> That's kind of cute. It is, it is a little bit cute. <laughs> on a log scale. Um, yeah. and he's <laughs> negative infinity you asshole <laughs> well and he's <laughs> friends with mandy for reasons that are never really explained it, it's it's a kim possible situation they were friends as little kids well they're still little kids and mandy and uh, littler kids i feel like they're both kind of the outcasts which lends they an interesting are. It, it lends an interesting air to their relationship especially with grim and that's one reason why grim sometimes you know tries to help them out yeah, I I liked the uh, the whole outcast angle a little better in Fairly Odd Parents, where like Timmy's an outcast and Chester's an outcast and AJ's an out, but all for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Here, everybody, everybody, including the other side characters, are outcasts. So yeah. it doesn't make as much sense here that they would just kind of stick to each other. Yeah, like they do. Um, There's nobody to like in this show, really. Mm 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 mm. Yeah, uh, they. Everyone here should. Uh, opt for chalk zone above uh, <laughs> above the regular uh, the regular world i will say that his antics are by far the most entertaining yeah because you know if you if you have full creative control over the world around you like the you know creator did your stupid mm. character will always have a good time rather than an awful time yeah there, there, it's more it's more engaging to watch someone be fascinated by their surroundings than to be despondent or downright malicious about their surroundings. And it's weird because the surroundings are actually, you know, interesting. Like The surroundings e- are probably the better part of this show. To even a normal person, they would be interesting. I think the reason that it works is because Billy's too stupid to be afraid of the surroundings. I uh, I found one aspect of his personality kind of carried the whole character. 
What's that? Which is that his enthusiasm is directed a lot more of the time to mundane things. <laughs> <laughs> Despite being in a supernatural set. Have you, you've read Billy Weenboy Genius, right? A little bit, yeah. So there's this one character, Carlos, I think. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Billy Ween's best friend. Okay. And he follows him for all these examples, and he's the only one who knows how smart Billy Ween is. Right. And at one point, this girl uh, who just found out about his intelligence is like, how come he gets to know and I don't? And he's like, you want to know? Fine. And he holds up this bag of Oreos. He's like, hey, Carlos, I've got Oreos. And he's like, oh, why didn't you tell me, you asshole? And he takes them and starts talking to this telepathic ape from outer space from another dimension he's like hey man have you ever tried oreos (laughs) and then billy's like look look at this shit he is more interested in fucking cookies than this ape who came from another a telepathic ape from another dimension right that's why he gets to know because he doesn't care that's that's a pretty good reason (laughs) yeah like so when there's all these fantastic elements and this character is excited about washing the dishwasher or, or wa- I mean, washing dish, washing dishes or watching the, uh, the laundry machine rotate or shampooing his hair. It, it's just the, 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 the contrast is kind of amusing. Maybe that's why Grimm likes it because he feels normal because no one's paying attention to him. Yeah. I, he could have worse friends, I suppose. There, he was indebted to two people. Um, mm-hmm. There are those. There are others who would take advantage of his powers more and less skillfully than Billy and Mandy. Yeah, because Mandy always seems to do it in a reasonable way, and Billy just kind of forgets that Grimm is magical. Yeah, actually, and he just wanted a friend. And I think their relationship works better than any individual character. Grimm and Billy. Like, Grim, Billy, and Mandy. Like, the interplay of them responding to a situation is more interesting than any particular character. I didn't think it was that interesting. It, it's not a high bar. I, well, that's that's the thing. Like, it's a totally humor-driven show, and the characters are really weak by comparison. Yeah. And even just... Even not by comparison, the characters are really weak. I, I thought there was nothing really cool about these characters like i'm hitting the high points where grim look look at the high points we had so far grim has a jamaican accent billy is excited about normal stuff there's not a lot to these characters that is enjoyable yeah um well let's look at mandy sure so she's my least favorite character she's not great (laughs) she has no personality so she's like the token evil character and when i said that we're looking at extremes with both Billy and Mandy. We've got the stupidest person in the world and the most sardonic asshole in middle school who's withdrawn and doesn't like talking to you because she doesn't consider herself a human. There's n- This is me in middle school, by there's, the way. There's nothing redeeming to this character. There's no there's nothing interesting. It's just yeah. it's just a pure wall of hate. Yeah, I was going to say, like, the fact that she's rede- she's redeemable is not as important to us as the fact that she's interesting, and she's just not interesting. Yeah. Um, At least Mandark had an excuse. Oh, yeah. Like, Mandark he, had a whole, like, dramatic backstory. Yeah, he, he had some de- seven deadly sins. It was great. He was crushing on his antagonist sister in a, in, in a really nice fievel sort of way. Yeah. Mandy and... just kind of decided one day to be the worst person ever. She She's just a pissy misanthrope. Yeah. 
And she plays off her her attitude like it's maturity, but it's just yeah, like she's being, cool. She's just an asshole. Yeah, that's all there is to it. The only interesting part of it is that it sometimes translates into being power hungry. So you'll see her, yeah. you know, get a kick out of bossing around Grim, even though Grim is you know extremely powerful. Or There's she'll of it. or she'll like be fighting a monster and take control of it and then control its minions, kind of thing. Yeah, and I think that there's a minor interesting interpersonal relationship between her and Billy because the question is constantly arisen, like, why does Billy hang out with her? Well, he doesn't know any better. Why does Mandy hang out with him? You can play it off like she needs a lackey, but it's rarely expressed that way, so there's this idea that she needs that one groundedness in a friend. She, I mean, she's fiercely protective of him. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason. And I don't think it's just that she likes having people she can boss around. I don't think so either, but it it's not clear what the what the other reason is. And I don't think they ever really came up with one because they had seven seasons to deal with it and they didn't. Yeah, uh, there's a there's whisperings among <laughs> like uh no, sites that I've looked at. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> that uh no, 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 not that. It's okay. Um it's not we're not lo- we're not looney tune wolf here we're not dick wolf <laughs> it's uh there's whisperings that uh mandy mandy's greatest fear is that she will be cosmically unimportant hmm like that her life doesn't mean anything interesting um there's this one anime durarara which is the the made by the same people as bakano mm-hmm. and the main antagonist in in it which is this guy called Isaiah, who's basically just an asshole but he's deathly afraid of uh non-existence hmm. it, it is sort of a similar it's sort of a similar motivating factor although i like Isaiah a whole lot better than mandy and you can sort of see her parental guidance of billy so to speak as a facet of her needing to be important to somebody it's like owning a pet really (laughs) beyond that extreme you know hail mary to something significant about her she's really boring i agree um but she's voiced by gray delisle who we saw as doc holiday in generator x yeah, and uh, Daphne, I believe. Yeah, and Vicky from Fairly Odd Parents, and we will actually see her in our next episode because she plays uh, Kimiko on uh, Shaolin Showdown. Shaolin Showdown, which we're gonna watch next. Yeah, she's quickly becoming the uh, female Rob Paulson of this po- <laughs> of this podcast. <laughs> yep, and the human uh, Fred. Uh... No, that wasn't it. Flintstone. No, 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 <laughs> Fred Flintstone. <laughs> yeah, the female Fred Flintstone. Who's the Fred Newman? No. Uh, who's the guy who does the animals? Oh, I keep Fred, Frank Welker? Frank Welker, thank you. Yeah. Fred Newman, I um, think, was the guy who played Skeeter. It was. It was the, it was, it was our scatologist, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure means something else. But speaking about scatology, do you go, do you want to talk about the tone and genre? Um, yeah. So. Or do you have anything else in characters? Well, I was, I was just thinking that the other characters, you know, like in a lot of the, you know, monster of the week things we've seen where mm-hmm. the main cast is not that interesting. The antagonists are kind of the last character and they are the most interesting ones. Uh, uh, and you do have some recurring ones. Variable. Yeah. I think I think that there is a wide spectrum of how interesting the one-shot characters are. I Absolutely. Uh, did you see anything with Fred Fredberger? I didn't. That, that guy is awful. That was the first episode of this that I watched and... It really colored my opinion of the whole show. 
Um, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I do really like Nurgle. Nurgle's not too bad. He's you know he's like he's a sly, he, he's, proper evil kind of character that I like. Yeah, yeah, he's got interesting like he's got cool like back tentacles in a way that you know was reminiscent of Invader Zim and his pack. Yeah, which I kind of like just 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 animation wise. I yeah. just I just enjoyed it anytime that they broke away from the standard you know ghosts, zombies, vampires. Irwin's mom. Irwin's mom. <laughs> Did you see that? No. Yeah, she's a mummy. Uh, yeah, of course. Get it? No, I I bet you get it. I get it. Um, But, you know, they they have, like, great supernatural stuff. Like, Like, mummy sounds a lot like mommy. Thanks, Ben. So they have, like, catastrophe snails. (laughs) Which I don't know if you saw that episode. No, I didn't see that one. Um, It's like... You want to tell me about it? it, Billy spills some salt, and Grimm's like, oh, you got to throw some salt over, you know, your neck, or you'll get bad luck. And he's like, no... And it turns out that when you spill salt, a snail starts crawling up your ear, and you need to throw salt to kill it, but otherwise it'll just latch into your brain and start giving you bad luck. That, that's that's one of the coolest plots I've ever heard of. Yeah. and, and That's they, really funny. And they have that sort of thing. I think they get better at it as time goes on. You know, they have, like, dark dimensions where everybody's dead or, you know, some Cthu- chicken ball, some Cthulhu stuff. And they got a Dragon Ball knockoff episode. Um, and I, I like this, um, you know, w- when it's not supposed to be, like, classic st- scary, it's, like, legitimately unsettling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. Zim levels of deranged. Uh, it does dip into that at times, which I think is the more impressive aspect of the tone and genre. This, this, this show is not scary. It's creepy and disturbing and sometimes gross. Totally, totally. And uh, I really... I don't know. I don't know how to verbalize this. Um, I think that that is. It's impossible for the unsettling aspects to be the forefront of this show because it's so strictly like humor driven. Like I think the point of the show. I think what the show is trying to do is very rarely to unnerve you, but when it does do that, it does it pretty well. <laughs> yeah, they'll they'll draw you into a joke or a, a plot line, and then. Sometimes they can really smoothly throw in something from left field that's just like way more unsettling than it would have been otherwise. Like, yeah. um, did you see the 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 brain meteorite episode? No, I didn't. Oh, th- this one stuck with me for years um, <laughs> because it had a catchy song, which uh, which I'll cut in. Okay, great. The idea is that there's a, a meteor that falls from space, and it turns out to be this evil alien that steals brains, and he enlists Billy's help to go, like, bring people to him so he can steal their brains. Yeah, how'd that go? Uh, he tried to steal Mandy's and she took control of him. Oh, yeah. Fucking Mandy. And then... Mandy ruins everything. And then that's when the episode ended, so... 
like people die in this ep- in this show, and it just kind of hits the reset button a bit. It's not just that they die; it's that their like lives are destroyed. Oh yeah, it, it's like uh, like very often or turned into something. Yeah, they're very often placed in a "I have no mouth, but I must scream" situation, and those are the best. Those are the best. They like when whenever that this show did that, I was legitimately creeped out as a twenty six year old man. Absolutely. And this is a kid show that frequently uses scatological humor to to make a a dumb joke. Yeah, so it's kind of f- hidden. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird that the two facets of this show that it's trying to I guess it is sort of trying to accomplish that unnerving aspect to it. So it's its goals are on either end of that sort of uh visceral visceral kick to the stomach sort of spectrum. It's either trying to make you laugh for dumb reasons or trying to make you scared of existence. It's it's like the show had two writers and one of them was told like remake fairly odd parents with these stupid characters and then the other one's just like let me just dabble in some madness. <laughs> I've been reading a lot of Lovecraft lately. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, 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 that's what the other guy says. Oh yeah. <laughs> like part um, part of this part of this show is very Lovecraftian in uh in scope. Which I like. I, I I like that part a lot, and I think that's when it's it's most successful. That's that's and, just because we're old. We're we're too old to appreciate old the other thing. But what I'm wondering is who the audience is. Yeah. Who appreciates both ends of that spectrum? Billy. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. Like Billy only appreciates the the one, and he's ignorant to the like the like Billy is half the audience. I, I think the question is, you know. Who, what, what's the audience for Courage the Cowardly Dog? Because it's a similar sort of feeling that they're trying to set. It, it's, it's not, it's not. Um, I, I think there's, like, when they try to make the horror more insane rather than evil, I think it gets to Courage the Cowardly Dog levels or close to it. Yeah, but, but Courage committed to that. Yeah. This one, this one sort of, it feels like it sort of plays halvesies with it. Oh, no, I'm not saying it was successful. I'm saying that it, like, it happened, and that was when it was at its best. Look, Zane, I don't know if you were as sensitive as I was growing up. I'm pretty sure you might have been. Whenever I saw a cartoon that was creepy at the end, I was scarred. When there was that Johnny Bravo episode, that's like, eh, Johnny Bravo is goofy. And then he is, like, tied up in a hospital bed, and, like, horrible experiments are being performed on him. I was just like, oh, I, I am so scared right now. I can't yeah. have both of those shows in simultaneously if i'm a kid yeah no do kids just appreciate existential ennui more than i did that more than i did may i that's what I, that's what i i think they just didn't catch it um a lot of them like <laughs> kind of like bugged li- like we said they like forgot to debug this show before they shipped it out the episodes often end like as it's getting to its scariest like yeah like why is that their denouement why philosophically is that their dismount I don't know. Like, one one of the episodes, Nurgle wants to have some friends, and the whole thing is him not understanding friendship in a plankton sort of way. Uh-huh. And then at the end of the episode, he's like, oh, what if I just force everyone to be my friend? And he mind control, like, he, he uses his tentacles to Nurgleize everyone until they're just marching behind him, and then he Nurgleizes the fourth wall, and then the episode ends. I feel like a lot of episodes end in a similar way. <laughs> I know. Where everyone's being controlled. Yeah. Like... I'm being, like, if I'm a little kid and I'm being drawn in by this, haha, the, uh, the demon doesn't understand friendship. Like, I'm, I'm laughing the whole time. And then I'm 
sincerely creeped out and horrified at the end. Yeah. I just don't understand what the target demographic is. And and I, I agree. It's like if if these episodes ended a couple minutes earlier, it would, you could sell it as a much younger audience. There yeah. was one episode, um, the one where Mandy entered a beauty pageant. Okay. It sounds like a really good setup for a lot of dumb jokes. It was. But then, so like for nine minutes, it was that. Mm-hmm. And then in the last couple minutes, like they're they're like, Mandy, if you want to win this, you have to smile. And like she starts trying to smile. Oh, I remember that. And doesn't the universe implode? The universe implodes. They have a 2001-esque like trippy <laughs> void sucking thing. I hate and that then they sequence. wake up at then they wake up as the Powerpuff Girls. Like something, something something got lost in translation when they were storyboarding yeah, that, this. That, that that feels like it got like fast tracked to the end. I don't yeah. think they beta tested that episode. <laughs> like if like if the if the episode just ends with a blank void, and the, the the producers would be like, "Did you just like forget to put in like the last few frames? Did you like go home early? <laughs> Scene missing, redacted." <laughs> so. Another example, just so that just so that our listeners are aware of how often this happens, because sometimes we assert that things happen all the time, and it happens to just have happened in a couple episodes. Mm-hmm. This one, it really does happen all the time, where episodes end like that. So Grimm brings Billy's dinobidoid figures to life. <laughs> Dinomidoids. Full on friendship. Full on friendship. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that show. Can we watch that show? <laughs> it sounds funny. It's like a better Beast Wars. I know, nerds. Beast Wars was a big thing back then. It's not good anymore. I watched an episode. It was trash. So Grimm brings these dinomidoid figures to life and shrinks Billy down so that he can play with them. And he does so for, like, the entire episode. And there's a bunch of dumb jokes about um, dinobinoid figures not wanting to be the villain he what he really wanted to be was a go-go dancer and he <laughs> and he familiarizes himself with Grimm. and it turns out that billy and the heroes don't interact with the villains at all billy just gets like zapped to death by or like the mandy comes out and uh tries to use like the magnifying glass on on all the dinobinoid figures like the, the plot is totally zany and stupid mm-hmm. and then at the very end he billy has these figures and they're all like mangled from the various things that they dealt with during the day and he's like if i can't even though you're going to be stuck lifeless again in a moment because that's how Grimm's magic works at least i can put you in this box so i can appreciate you and treasure you forever and he puts them in the box and then he accidentally gets thrown into the box as well (laughs) which means that when he grows back to normal size he's in the box and then Grimm starts voicing it. We never did find Billy, uh, but we didn't look very hard anyway. And it close-ups in the closet, and he's stuck inside of this, like, toy packaging, and he's just like, Hello? Can anyone let me out? And then the episode ends. He suffocates to death in a closet. Like, yeah. <laughs> like what the fuck? <laughs> what am I watching? There's another one where Billy works for, like, 70 years on a history report and you see him as an old man and then young billy time travels there and destroys it in front of him and he cries what and that's the end of the episode this, like this show is this show, this show, is, this show is like i don't know how to just this is this is like rugrats if dan caves had a say in the in the in the in the, in the dismount 
Yeah. <laughs> it's it's crazy. It, it, but, like, I do like those dismounty segments, but it just doesn't mesh with the rest of the show, which, in yeah. general, I kind of disliked a lot of the time. One of the weirdest points of dissonance that you're that you're talking about, the way that it, it doesn't mesh, they don't swear at all. They don't even say the word hell. They they, they make a lot of poop jokes, though. Yeah, so, but something will be, like, creepy and crawling across the screen, and characters, like, about to swear, and they get cut off. And this yeah. happens all the time, and it's mm-hmm. like, why did you draw the line there? It's, it's a weird thing with... Uh... It's a weird thing about our, how our society views blasphemy, mm-hmm. where, like, we don't worry about violence or, you know, uh, uh, tragedy or anything like that with any amount of respect. But, you know, you can't put titties on the screen. You can't right. say damn. Like, it, oh. it's just this really strange, like, legal barrier that has, like, these, uh, you, it, what, it, what am I trying to say? It's, it's cleaving to the letter of the law and violating the spirit absolutely yeah the carton cast violating the spirit violating um, the spirit of the law yep but the uh, you could write another 15 page paper on violating how this show is just you know criticizing those censorship laws zane when when i was ready to talk about this show i was afraid that we didn't have anything deep to say about it, it turns out like this show seems like to be one of our most critically <laughs> this might be one of our more critically dissectable sections not like in and of the show itself but in a meta way it's reflecting on our you know society very interestingly i agree why do they draw the lines there it's really nuts uh, i don't have anywhere else to put this yeah go ahead S- Sometimes the show is narrated by a very angry crow. <laughs> what? Alas, poor Billy, destined to walk the sepulchred streets of suburbia. A doomed husk of a child. Do not cry for him. Do not cry! If you've been paying attention, it's because you're a nerd with nothing better to do. The it's just a crow that, like, explains what's going on and then just starts yelling at the camera uncontrollably. What is it, like, the angry Swede? No, he's, I th- I'm i pretty sure he's, like, in a, like, a armchair by a fire, you know, reading a deep tome, being like, come and see the story of, but he's just, like, screaming at you, and he's a crow. <laughs> There's a lot of those moments that just do not, they do not fit into yeah. any other show. <laughs> yeah, I, and I guess the show kind of has license to do that, but, like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it's not cohesive. This this show lacks focus. Um, I feel like we've talked a lot about the horror parts of it. How did you enjoy the humor parts of it? Because you say it's very humor-driven. To- toilet humor. Toilet humor is on par with Rugrats in this show. So when you say it's humor-driven, you don't mean it's it's done well. I, I don't mean it's done well. I think it's humor-driven into a ditch. Let me let me say this right now because I don't think I've verbalized it yet in this way. I did not like this show. I didn't enjoy watching it. That's fair. I I, I think it was very humor-driven, and I think the humor was very weak. And I think that the more interesting parts of the show are uh, sort of stapled onto it haphazardly. I can see the good and the bad. Now here's here's the thing I'm really wondering. Yeah. I find poop jokes juvenile and unfunny. But I find dick jokes hilarious and in no way <laughs> contradicting with my supposed maturity. <laughs> is is there something wrong with me? 
Is that strange? I mean, you want me to get Freudian here? Or? Please, please do. <laughs> um, no, I'm just, I'm wondering why, like, do you kind of agree? Like, maybe not inherently, but, like, there's a poop joke and there's a dick joke. Which one do you want to hear? I, I want the dick joke. You want the dick joke? Well, what did that say about, like, our age group? There's nothing good about that. This meta-analysis of society really took a turn. Yeah, well, I, like, that's what the show does. Like, it, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It, it hits you with one end of the spectrum and then launches you into the other just oh, oh, right before maybe, the curtain closes. Maybe it's supposed to make us wonder why, you know, poop jokes are okay and dick jokes aren't in this kid's show. Yeah, that's what this show did. <laughs> well, because kids... You know, it's it's kid humor because kids can appreciate a poop joke in the way that they can't appreciate a dick joke. Here's a cool thing. Maybe the show is trying to marry our innocence with our con- conception of death. Now, I know that you're trying to give the show more credit than you actually yes. think it has. Yes. But I actually like that. That's not bad. Like, it seems <laughs> like that's what it's doing. Like, we're yeah. appreciating our childishness and then right at the end we're starting to uncover some of the horrifying aspects of our own mortality you you know the death as a character motif shows up in a lot of media nowadays but i feel like this might have been the first exposure for a lot of people all right yeah and like look at the structure of the episode at the beginning death is just kind of this thing that you like yeah it exists but it doesn't really have meaning Mm -hmm. by the end of the episode there's there's some you start uncovering horrifying meaning behind behind these fantastic like scary elements. It actually it actually escalates over the course of the series. There's this weird progression where <laughs> at the beginning like somebody sees Grim just being Grim and they freak out cuz he's a skeleton, which you know, <laughs> re- reasonable. But then Later, the creatures of the underworld stop hiding. They have competing pizza businesses. Like everyone just kind of gets used to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ensville is certainly a, a society in which that could happen. Um, I yeah. want to talk a little bit about the audio, actually, because it feeds into this. Let's do it. Um, so a lot of episodes start on this whimsical tune, you know. Yeah, it's all Billy. It's, it's Billy's it's, show. At it's the Billy. It's that fairly odd parents aesthetic again. Um. But it quickly gets darker and more dramatic because, you know, the plot gets darker. And the, the, this music follows the plot around like a stalker. Like, <laughs> as soon as it's happy, it's just strangled. And I, <laughs> I, I don't know. There's something about it that conveys the atmosphere way better than the actual characters do. Huh. Yeah. You know, now that we are dissecting it in this way and putting it in sort of like this sliding scale from innocence to madness, I'm starting to appreciate this show on on its ability to kind of capture this lurking behind the recesses of your mind horrifying existence that you kind of have as a kid inherently but aren't aware of yet. Yeah, I think this show There's really, definitely something here. <laughs> it really excels at putting mature concepts in your mind and, like, slipping stuff past, like, what is technically considered okay in cartoons to deliver something way worse than it would have otherwise. Yeah. I'm, I'm starting to appreciate the show on, on those merits now. It's a very interesting, uh, I don't know. If you put this in a lip paper, I would read it. Like, like most horror... The good parts are on the edges in your periphery. What do you mean by good parts? 
you know, the, the scary bits, the stuff that, you know, is slightly off about the universe. It's not coming at you full blast. Yeah, the, the scarier stuff is coming coming in. It's, it's not although, getting filtered out by your brain. Although, you know, other better shows do put it on right in front of you, so. Invader Zim. Yeah. Courage, yeah. And it, and it doesn't work bad there either. Yeah, I, I think this found... I agree. This, this I has don't, a niche. I don't really like... I don't really like the show, but it does have a niche. This has a niche for, like, the ability to, like... So Courage the Cowardly Dog and Invader Zim, just being our go-to examples this episode, you know what you're in for. Mm -hmm. This one kind of sneaks it past the sidelines. This one gets around your filter. There's a big variety to how heavy the topic will get. Oh, yeah. And there's an episode for every one of your fears. Yeah. Yeah. In one episode, Billy and uh, his parents are now under house arrest. (laughs) <laughs> in in the end of the episode, this is the end of the episode, and the mom is rocking back and forth while they s- just sit on the front porch of their destroyed house, and she's just rocking back and forth saying, I love my life, I love my life, and they all have, like, <laughs> anklet bracelets so they can't get outside of their area. I'm like, this is the most horrifying ending I've seen so far. Like, I want to see, like, a two-sentence plot summary of an episode followed by the last couple minutes of it, and I think <laughs> that would really be good. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, the um, show has a niche. What did you, what did you think of the music? I thought that uh, the voices are really hit or miss. Um, mm-hmm. I think that Mandy and Grimm are soothing and well rounded, and the other voices, like most of the one off idiot characters, um, or Billy, like uh, there there's this one little kid called Puddin, um, mm-hmm. are really obnoxious and nasally, like multiple yeah. ag. Multiple octave staggering voices, which are really, really irritating to me. Everyone's got this different version of grating uh, in their voice. Yeah, I agree. There's there's not a lot of, that's good to listen to, except for Grimm. Gr- Grimm's great to listen to. I also don't mind Mandy's voice. Like, I hate her character, but her voice is fine. Agreed. Yeah, uh, aside um, for the voices, the music really didn't stick with me, though. Yeah, they have a lot of, like... Uh, it follows the plot very closely, so it it you know changes tone a lot. Each sub intro to the episodes, um, you know the, the little title screen, mm-hmm. have this sort of harpsichord sound that sets the mood and kind of puts you on edge, which I like. Yeah, is that what that that instrument is? It's a synthesized harpsichord. It's it's got that sort of like metallic clang to it, but it's definitely not just a pure. Yeah, I instrument. like that instrument a lot, but for but for but during the actual episode, it's kind of standard nicktoon fare yeah it it supports the action and by nicktoon i just mean regular cartoon <laughs> <laughs> sure um so i wanted to mention something about the audio effects and and just one in particular mm, go ahead whenever some sometimes when something confusing happens there is the audio f- effect of a monkey screaming uh cite your cite your sources <laughs> I I can't think of a specific example right now, but I heard it several times. Weird. It's like how, you know, you'll get a sound cue where it's like, wah, like they're responding to something, except it's just like a monkey going like, wah, wah. It's my Weird. monkey impression. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how to... They do animal noises sometimes. I know in the Chicken Ball episode... Chicken Ball? Yeah, it's the Dragon Ball Z ripoff episode. <laughs> and, uh, I did Billy, not see that. Billy and Mandy both turn into Saiyan warrior type idiots and uh billy like opens his mouth like he's gonna shout and instead uh, it's a cow mooing so like there's a there's precedent for it that is 
there's some in jokes <laughs> here. I think that they're just trying to get away with. Yeah, it, like they have you. You have a lot of creative freedom when you go from extremely silly to extremely dire, and you have the entire fantastic universe laid at your feet. You get the sense that Maxwell Adams had like a bunch of ideas, but this was the only thing that he had creative control over. So he just put them all in here. Throw it all in. Or not. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Um, might not even be wrong there. So, uh, so let's talk about the animation. Yeah, so I I kind of want to talk about the intro in terms of like the sound and animation, just the way okay. it looks. Yeah, please do. This is the greatest intro to look at. I I really like the intro. <laughs> can it's, I? It's pretty cool. Can I just go through bit by bit and describe it? Sure. Um, I'm gonna right before the title sequence title card. I I want to I want to say that part because it's sweet. Okay. All right. Uh, so we we start with like a bell ringing and some. The dark scene synth. opens. Yeah, it opens on this like bent, irradiated city, like black and green. Those are kind of the colors of the show the when color it's trying motif, to be. Yeah. When it's trying to be evil. Or when it's trying to be evil or magical, which is so much better than black and red. It's, like the it's green sickening. is really yeah, it's really off putting. It's sickening, is what it is. Um. So you zoom in to the city, and a flaming skull comes laughing straight at you. <laughs> yep. So that that right there, by the way, is a good distillation of what to expect from the show. Yeah. Because it's a skull that's laughing. Yeah. It's, it's both ends of the spectrum. And then the main characters are constituted right in front of you with first their bones. Yeah, in layers. And then their viscera, and then their flesh. Yeah, and I think there's, like, this weird, like... uh like name tag like in the foreground and background sort of thing yeah like they're do you remember the intro to batman beyond where it like Uh had those words that were kind of like (laughs) flickering in front of and then behind the screen it was that kind of thing it it sort of happens here too and there's like a bunch of like uh neon lava lamp stuff going on in the background yeah yeah. and then the three main characters strike karate poses (laughs) and then there's this lineup the forces of good, or at least the allies of the main characters, mm-hmm. form ranks facing the legions of the damned, and then your favorite thing ever happens. Yeah, which is, uh, <laughs> for some reason, the arms of several zombies come out of their graves and do devil horns. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, it does this really cool, like, ascending uh, dramatic swell for uh, when the ranks of the good and the evil are, like, lining up. Yeah. And then it like does the rock out double zombie horns from their graves. Yeah, this which is legitimately the best thing ever. And then the words Maxwell Adams come at the screen. Yeah, it's awesome. It's like rotating in that lava lamp stuff again. This this intro is really good. I was such a fan of this. Like when I decided that we would watch this, and I looked at it again, I'm like, this is just. I just kept watching it. It's it's not as good as like Darkwing Duck or Batman Beyond, I'm willing to say. But it's, it is it's, quite good. It's not as fitting with the actual show, but it, it is, is fitting with a much better show. Yeah. Like it, this is the show it deserves to be if Maxwell Adams was allowed to be as metal as he wanted. <laughs> metal. Yeah, I don't remember metal kind of factoring into the show at all. So the fact that they include double horns at the end there is pretty funny. Just that visual is so good of the zombies like like we're here to rise, we're here to eat flesh and it's like no, they just want to rock out. Yeah, and and a me- like a fraction of a second in which that's shown. Like yeah. they don't draw any attention to 
how awesome <laughs> that little little vignette is. Oh, I love it. Yeah, that that anime they they do they do little different animation beats in the same way as the title intro mm-hmm. thing in uh, in a few examples when Irwin gets sucked into the underworld to be a witness for like the uh, the court case for Gr- for a Billy and Mandy taking custody of Grimm. Uh, <laughs> he looks at a couple of the monsters, and you know it switches from the regular cartoony style of monster to like that zoomed in Squidward's yeah. Squidward's face looks unsure sort There's of business. So much grosser and more detailed up close. Grotisities are in full scale, and uh, so so the, sometimes they'll do little differences in, in animation as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's that, all I have to say about animation. That's the main point I wanted to say. They're you know, they do a few sight gags, um, but not like it's not like a central staple of the show. It just shows up occasionally. Yeah. So um, there's a pretty great moment when a character is like trying to hide inside their house and they like close the doors and shut the windows and turn off the lights. And then they go to pull that cord that like lowers the blinds. Mm-hmm. And they have the same trouble that we all have with that where you pull it and then like try to lift it up and it doesn't go and you do it again and then like half of it comes down and then he just like <laughs> keeps doing it i'm not sure that's really an animation but i like that it, i like that image there there's a there's a lot of good points to the show and the plot synopses of a given show are really interesting it's mm-hmm. just the show itself you know doesn't live up to what it could be yeah, high potential low execution i would say that's the carton cast promise <laughs> yep all right. Um, so let's wrap up with extra details, if you have any. Um, that was that was about it. All right. Well, I had one, which is just that uh, in that court case episode, there was a snake lawyer who uh, did a Christopher Walken impersonation. I need to go watch that right now. <laughs> that sounds excellent. That that's the one with Fred Fredberger. Uh huh. And it's it's excruciating, Zane. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I'm sorry you had to sit through that. Yeah, and I I forced myself to because I'm like, you're you're do it's for, for the greater good. You can get through this. Um, um yeah. Oh, the, uh, did you know it. that they made a video game of this? I, I think I've seen it. Yeah, you can something play like as a bunch the, of the different spider, characters. The Curse of the Spider Queen or something. I don't know about that. It looked like a 3D beat 'em up, but like ugly pixels kind of thing. Yeah, that sounds awful. Yeah, it. I don't know. It, I, I I like <laughs> I like a lot of the characters, and I feel like it'd be fun to explore a game world with them but probably not in a fighting one maybe so the world that they've crafted is certainly interesting in some regard uh, they we just have shitty tour guides <laughs> all right well, and with that let's uh let's yeah the brochure the brochure lied to us <laughs> yeah <laughs> customer not satisfied haiti satan was satan was getting paid a lot of money for that advertisement two stars would not go again <laughs> would not yeah um, so what uh, what are we going to check out next time? Check out Shaolin Showdown, which uh, for some reason I'm excited to watch. Um, yeah. Ha- have you gotten a read on how silly it's going to be? It, it's, I think it goes for more, I think it's more consistently kind of drama action type thing than silly. Oh, really? Yeah. I think it's definitely less silly than Grim Adventures of Billy Mandy. All right. So well, I, I think it's kind of that. a dedicated drama action show. Cool. But we'll see. And uh, Zane, what do we have after that? Well, I wanted to try out a nice uh, slice of life kind of thing. Um, okay. You know, see what the what the real problems of the real you know living people are like. 
Um, so I thought that we could check out an old classic, Pepper Ann. Pepper Ann! I love Pepper Ann. Yeah, she's much too cool for seventh grade. <laughs> she, she's, uh, she's like one in a million. That's what I've heard. So, you know, there's like 7,000 just like her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which I always love thinking about. Um, yeah, I, I think the characters on that show are a bit more interesting, even if their adventures are not. Milo's certainly so, uh, like, a, like a case study in and of himself. <laughs> that's true as well as moose like um, now that yeah. i'm thinking about it pepper ann is friends with toned down versions of billy and mandy like mm-hmm. they grew up a little bit yeah yeah maybe maybe so <laughs> i don't even think i'd go that far i think you're drawing a couple of parallels but for the majority like i don't know i, I wouldn't i wouldn't cla- there's so much more textured that they're so far removed from billy and mandy that i can't just i can't draw that link yeah, we'll but, we'll uh, dissect that next time. Oh, I'm sure we will. It makes me it makes me want to also watch as told by Ginger again. So <laughs> I was considering next, that show. That'll be I our think... next slice of life thing. Uh, um, Pepper yeah. Ann, awesome. Yeah. So if you liked this show and would like to hear more offensive Jamaican stereotypes, <laughs> um, <laughs> like us on Facebook, leave a review or on jokes. iTunes. We'll download be happy us. to deliver either one. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, uh, go ahead and check out our Facebook page and leave a comment. We've gotten a few, and we're really happy to read them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we're, we also have a movie segment coming up. If you guys have any uh, suggestions, we think we know what we're doing, but there's still some room for deliberation. So please go ahead and suggest something for us and right. tell your friends about the show. We also, um, we're coming up on our one-year anniversary of the Carton yes. cast. Um, so I have decided that we will start a grand tradition of the Cartoni Awards. Excellent. Um, where we can vote on a variety of categories, like best intro or worst running joke. Best um, Batman knockoff. <laughs> best Batman show. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, if you have any... Most, most seven deadly sins in one character. <laughs> shit, shit that we talk about all the time, but never get a chance to rank. Right. So if you have any ideas for categories or people who should be nominated or people shows that (laughs) should be nominated for that category, uh, let us know. Yeah. Yeah. That would be really cool. And I think I'm going to put up a Facebook page for just or not a Facebook page on the website for just that reason. So, yeah, uh, a feedback of any kind is much appreciated. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you next time at the River Sticks, man. Remember, man, you only live once. Super of the Reaper, his skinny white bones are mine to own. To do with this, I see fit. Give it to me, and I promise my love won't quit. I disagree about the Keeper of the Reaper. It should be me who's the Keeper of the Reaper. Grim's not a toy for an idiot boy who can't even tie his shoes. If Billy wins, then we all surely lose. I'm gonna say the Keeper of the Reaper. I'll make you all pay for the Keeper of the Reaper. Oh, my rage is bottled up in this cage held by the Zion boss. I'll never get rid of Dementor's dog. I don't care who's the Keeper of the Reaper. I'm losing my hair over Keeper of the Reaper. I'm out to stress. It's crushing my chest. I'm going blind in one eye. And it's all because of that stupid dog.